Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and BetOnline is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, BetOnline is your number one source for your wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to BetOnline today and get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code BLEAV, that is capital letters B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunsinger, at Thunder Chats. We are part of the Believe Network, and this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Now that's out of the way, we've got a very fun podcast for you guys today. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not. Thunder basketball starts tomorrow. The NBA season actually started back tonight. The Lakers and the Nuggets are actually playing as we speak. So we are going to be wrapping up our Thunder season preview at the nick of time uh, with a guest today. But before we get to our guest, i got to introduce my co-host, my compadre, my compatriot in the Batmobile, Alex Roy. What up, Alex? What up, man? What up? Just uh, getting ready to kick this off tomorrow, man. I'm so I'm so hyped for this versus Chicago. Let's go. You know, I'm out here. You know, usually whenever we hit this time of the year, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get on my get on my writer's grind. You know, I'm going to pump out, like, previews for every – and, you know, as, as the year progresses, I get a little bit tired and I don't do it anymore. But I already wrote my first preview, so it's already out there. It's it's waiting for a little bit more information. I'm going to put it out tomorrow. So I'm hyped, man. There we go. Hey, I need to I need to get back on that writer's grind. I don't I – don't, I haven't wrote anything in, like, two years. I got to get back into that. So, hey, the Topic Thunder might be having some new, new content for you guys coming up, so – uh, anyways, let's get to our guest today. So joining us today, tomorrow we will see Shea cross over the Bulls, but today we cross over the pond to talk to a man that hails in the United Kingdom. He is the host of the Drop Step NBA podcast. He has amassed a murderer's row of guests, including yours truly. He is new on the scene. He blew up the scene, and he's locked in like Lou when it comes to our team. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the next up-and-coming NBA talking head and say cheerio to my guy, Jack Quantrill. Oh my god, I am honoured. I don't think I'm ever going to get an intro <laughs> nearly as good as that, Dylan. Uh, I think that you've got uh, your listeners. You will. Really? You will. The, the next time you come on. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. That is a guarantee for me to come back. Uh, I can't think of a better way to start a podcast. I'm already taking notes because this is how I should be treating all of my guests. There you go, man. Right. We we just like to, you know, make everybody know how welcome they feel, get them feeling all good about themselves, getting hyped to get on the podcast and, you know, just uh, setting the tone early. So, uh, Jack, you know, excited to have you on. You know, like I said, I came on your podcast. We had a great conversation. It was like an hour and a half. We were just talking Thunder Hoops. It was, it was awesome. Like, I was really impressed with how organized you were, how knowledgeable you were on our team. So, had to have you on to talk uh, Thunder Preview. But, 
Before we get into the Thunder basketball, whenever we have a new guest on here, we like to ask a few background questions just so our listeners can kind of get to know the person that we're talking to. So uh, first things first, man, you know, like I said, you live in the United Kingdom. Obviously, you have a British accent. I just got to ask, how did you first come into the game of basketball? I think it's good that you vet your guests. So if I give the wrong answers here, you can cut the podcast and save everyone's <laughs> time. But uh, I got into the game of basketball mainly down to NBA 2K. I think my first game was NBA 2K14. The, the league is not on TV here very much. It's just uh, TNT Sports has just launched in the UK. So I think it's going to become a much bigger thing. But I think a lot of my friends and a lot of the people that are into the NBA on the UK side of things very much got into it because 2K be, uh, came on sale on a PlayStation store and we basically went from there. I remember my first my player career I played through on the Toronto Raptors so it was me Cole Lowry and DeMar DeRozan I think Luol Deng as well in the twilight of his career oh, wow. so started tearing it up from there and, well, and oh yeah oh yeah I mean throwing some alley-oops definitely if I even knew how to do it back then but um, <laughs> yeah I probably had a little bit of a hiatus from that point but really got back into basketball at the pandemic actually and fully nerded out from there and i don't think there's any looking back now it's uh, i've got the basketball bug the uh my exposure to like kind of british like pop culture is ted lasso and um oh. <laughs> yeah so like you know obviously that, that shows about soccer or football as you call it um so like yeah i've I'm I'm always, you know, curious whenever I, I meet somebody that's, you know, from, you know, that area that like latches on the basketball. You know, like I told you, like, I, I hope you reached out to Thomas. Like Thomas is a great uh, basketball guy. He's an awesome Thunder yeah. fan. And, you know, he's he's a guy that's over there in OKC, UK. So, um, yeah, I, I always find that interesting. But, um, yeah, Alex, I'm just going to go ahead and rip through the background questions and then uh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. the Thunder. So uh, you it's, kinda, not, it's not called football. It's footy. Oh, yeah. Ah, he's a connoisseur. I'm <laughs> impressed. There we go. It's just experts across all sports here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, um, you mentioned that you were drafted by the Toronto, Rot- Toronto Raptors in 2K. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that your favorite team? Do you have a favorite team? Who is your favorite team? I don't have a favorite team. It's, mm. it's hard. I think one thing that you might know from Ted Lasso is that football fandom is very tribal and it's very much you support the team that your dad supports or you support the team that you live closest to Mm. right and having neither of those from sort of a London perspective I just I gravitate towards really cool basketball situations which I actually think helps with the coverage like um, Zach Lowe released his uh, league pass rankings this week and I went through that thought exercise in my head and I just I struggled to find any team that I don't want to tune into this year which is good I feel like you can find interesting stuff about all 30 teams in the league but in terms of this year aside from the Thunder I think you could probably gauge my Thunder interest from our pod Dylan um, I'm looking yeah. at the Pacers I'm looking at the Pelicans and I love the Nuggets I love watching Nikola Jokic he's just uh, he defies expectations you just look at a big lumbering dude like that and then he's got the softest hands in the world and it, it all sort of flows from there so i'd say nuggets pacers and pelicans for me this year 
All right. I like it. Hey, the Nuggets, uh, Jokic is tearing up the Lakers right now at halftime. Mm-hmm. has 19 points, nine rebounds, two assists already. Yeah. Uh, our guy Cone tweeted out that Jokic has probably looked at the basketball twice in the offseason, and he's just already got the Lakers, um, you know, just absolute shambles. So, got to love it's that. A, it's racehorses and then back to basketball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So last question in the background. So kind of talked about, you know, your fandom and, you know, how you're covering, um, you know, the game of basketball and the NBA in general and, you know, how not having a favorite team makes that easier. What made you want to get into basketball coverage? So it's very much about an end goal of trying to work in basketball. Uh, I love talking about it. It's a great hobby. I think you guys know that this probably started as a hobby and it's developed into something more, which is always fantastic. But being from the UK, uh, it's really hard to find people that really share that passion for basketball. So it's a way to find like-minded people to nerd out. And um, I'm addicted to podcasts as well. So I've listened to so many. I feel like I can get one up and go uh, up and coming. All right. I love it, man. I love it. All right, let's jump into Thunder Talk. Alex, let's kick it. it off, my friend. Let's go. Let's go. So – so whenever Presty traded away Paul George four years ago and kicked off this rebuild, did you think that it was going to work, number one? Um, and has that opinion changed throughout the course of this rebuild? So I've been mulling over this question, and I wasn't sure how honest to be when <laughs> I answered it. Because I've got to be honest, back when Paul George was traded to the LA Clippers, I was not that into basketball so my opinion wasn't exactly fully formed I've come to it at a time where it looks like the biggest steal of all steals right SGA plus all the picks mm-hmm. plus uh Danilo Gallinari you know never forget right Thunder legend absolutely but, um I, I look at this from the perspective of you're a small market team right so you don't have the advantages that the Heat have, that the Lakers have, that the Knicks, the Celtics, etc. You can reel them off. So my perspective is, and I think this would be the perspective of a lot more people if the process wasn't actually interfered with sort of Sam Hinkie's brainchild, that it's all about maximising your chances and gaining these little advantages. This is what teams try and do on the court, whether it's, you know, edging out a couple more percent by shooting more corner threes, whatever you want to do in terms of your shot distribution. I look at it as if you can accumulate more picks, if you can like um, just keep gathering capital, keep gathering players, keep gathering talent to the point where it all just spills over and you've just got this embarrassment of riches that the Thunder have. I think that's the way to go. And I'm sure that we'll get onto it later. Marrying that with keeping a good culture is really important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the Thunder have done. But looking back at it now, it's, it's the way that the Thunder should have gone. Sam Presti proved absolutely right. Yeah, this uh, yes. to, to me, this is the <laughs> deepest Thunder team we've ever had. Mm. You know, this is something that back in the day, whenever we had, you know, the Durant, Westbrook, Harden teams, they were top heavy. But the depth wasn't necessarily there. I think this team goes pretty well top 10, top 11 maybe of guys that can actually play on the floor. You can put them out there for, you know, five to 10 minutes and they won't mess up the game for you. You know, they'll actually, you know, they may even help you out a lot more. Um, And so I think this is the deepest team that this this Thunder um, 
organization has seen since they've come to Oklahoma City. Yeah, without doubt. And I, I look at that as a slight double-edged sword in that this Thunder team is so deep and it's so young and you've still got so many players that you want to give minutes to and you want to give opportunities to. In in the context of the season ahead, I've seen people like Bill Simmons be really bullish on the win totals that they're expecting for the Thunder this year. I just, I want to hold the horses a little bit because I feel like quite similar to last year, you're going to see players dip in and out of the rotation. You're going to see players given chances, given time to develop, maybe forced into roles that aren't they aren't necessarily too familiar with. And I think that that might hold the team back somewhat in terms of overall win total, but in terms of just the future of the franchise, I think that's absolutely the thing to do. But I might be the first person to come on your podcast and say that you've got too much depth. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have, you know, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it later on. But yeah, um, everything with Bill Simmons talking about, you know, hyping up the Thunder team, it's like, it sounds great. And then he just completely invalidates himself when he lists Trey Mann as like a core piece to the, to the Thunder roster. So it's like, I think close him, right? right yeah. Bro. Yeah, yeah, he had, yeah, he had him like closing lineups and stuff. I'm like, all right, man, like just, just calm down, <laughs> go back to the drawing board, Bill. So, um, so I had this question wrote down, and I completely invalidated myself by putting the answer right underneath of it. So let's just go ahead and talk about it because this kind of bleeds into what you were talking about with um, how we're going to give all these other guys, you know, solid looks and like give them a lot of minutes, but. Uh, how do you feel about Coach Mark Degnall and the job that he's done so far? And uh, how do you project him, um, you know, as we transition from more of rebuilding experimentation to actually competing and trying to win games in the regular season and playoffs? I, I practice the, pronounce, the pronunciation. So Mark Dagnall, in my mind, um, I think he's been an absolute wizard up until now in terms of marrying that development piece with actually putting competitive basketball out on the floor. I think if you look at the roster from last year, you can see that they had two key challenges in that the spacing wasn't fantastic on paper in terms of your three-point percentage, and you didn't have that big traditional uh, rim deterrent or you know a guy that grabs 10 rebounds a game. And through really inventive coaching, we saw Mark sort of surpass that and make it up in the aggregate which I found really impressive and then balancing the egos on the team and not necessarily the egos but more every guy in their first contract wants the opportunity to show what they can do so they can earn the second one right mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. like maybe I'm not too tapped into local media but it seems like a really happy camp that the Thunder have and managing those egos is just as big a part of you know running your X and o, X's and O's and maximizing sort of the performance on the court. So I think that up until now, he's done about as good a job as any coach in the league. The The one thing that I perhaps question is, as you get the Bill Simmonses of the world, starts to talk about the Thunder on a more regular basis, as you get even more eyes on the Thunder and they become, let's say, a Grizzlies in terms of a team that's just broken onto the national circuit and becomes the topic of first take. And, you know, you're going to have Stephen A. Smith saying, I think this team can go to the Western Conference Finals in a week or two, right? They'll, they'll get off to a hot start. It's going to happen. Um, I think it's just going to be about managing the players' expectations even further, managing the media and keeping uh, a tight ship basically don't let all this get to your head stay focused and you know stay locked in yeah most definitely so i mean 
so based off of the um so based off of what we did last season made the mm-hmm. play-in game beat the pelicans uh got to the wolves unfortunately fell short there um so what do you think the reason was for falling short in that play-in game number one and then number two uh, do you think the Thunder have taken the appropriate steps to combat that in the future? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that there were two main reasons that they were the ones that I sort of alluded to with the roster construction. I feel like the team got a little bit found out on the boards. You know, you're facing a guy like Rudy Gobert in the paint. You're facing Carl Anthony Towns. I think Jaden McDaniels was injured for that game. But, you know, mm-hmm. someone like Kyle Anderson can also hit the glass. Um, I, I think that they struggled on the boards and then the three-point shot deserted them at a time where they needed it. That's sort of the nature of a one-off game. I think they shot about this up 32% from three, which is fine. You know, it's it's not the Houston Rockets missing 27 threes in a row. But I, I looked at that team and I thought there are certain matchups that this Thunder team are really going to struggle to deal with. And that's when you have big, burly players in the paint that pre- uh, prevent you from getting the paint touches that this team was sort of built on. So I think it was mainly about addressing the rebounding and addressing the spacing. And um, I'll say on the rebounding, it's all sort of down to chat. I wouldn't have done anything in terms of trying to bring in someone like a Jonas Valanciunas, who you guys faced in the first round of the play-in, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And I think he ate, he feasted, but you guys still uh, pulled out the pulled out the dump. But I, I think in theory, you've addressed the rebounding. And I think in theory, the spacing has been addressed to some extent because I really like the look of Chet's outside shot. Uh, he's lit it up in the preseason. He shows touch. He's uh, efficient from the charity stripe as well. And I just think that the thing I love about the Thunder is the fact that I think they have five decision makers. They have five guys that can shoot from behind, uh, from not even the corner, but from behind the break. And they have five guys that are happy screening as well. And I think that Chet is just going to supercharge that in terms of being able to really um, take advantage of mismatches and and damage matchups and then provide that defensive presence on the glass as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. So I think you have addressed it, but the shooting is probably going to come down to internal development because there's not been too much movement on the roster. Davis Bertons, baby. Yeah, no, I've been laser, man. No, I'm <laughs> I I feel like we have more shooting on this roster than we might have had like since the Thunder's conception, just because like I mean, you know, I mean, it's not hard to do, you know, based on mm-hmm. the past that we've had, but I mean, just like off the bench, you got guys like Cecilia Mises, you got Casey Wallace, you got Isaiah Joe, you got Davis Bertons, obviously you got Chet Holmgren. Um, Shea's not like a knockdown shooter, but you know, he's a guy that you have to guard three point line. Jalen Williams, uh, the other Jalen Williams, like Uzman mm-hmm. Jang, Poku, like you've got guys that again, like aren't knockdown shooters. Like, you know, the first grouping that I mentioned, yeah, they're like knockdown shooters, but you at least have guys that you have to pay attention to, you have to guard, you have to respect at the three point line. And that's just something we haven't had. Like Alex, like, a- a- am I wrong here? It's like, no, you're not. Like every every one of those, like that previous Thunder iteration, we literally only had like one shooter. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it could only be one shooter for about three years. So we had Daquan Cook, we had Anthony Morrow. You know, we had these guys that, yeah, they're you know they're they're shooters. Alex Abrinas, they each had like a three year run. Yeah, they each had like a three year run, which wasn't great. They were shooting forty forty two percent. 
you know, they were each shooting like 34 to 36, but they were our shooters. So now we finally got, you know, we literally got at least four guys that can space the floor easily. I'm taking these names down for hoops grids. I feel like they're going to come in handy pretty soon. Um, I think probably the issue is that the the first group that you listed off, Dylan, your proper knockdown shooters, I, I'm not sure how many minutes they're going to get this year, whereas that sort of core five that the Thunder are going to roll with, mm. I think you've got to respect three and a half of them in terms of you've got to respect Shay, you've got to respect Jalen, you've got to respect Chet. Mm-hmm. Uh Lou Dort has shown some promise in the preseason, very small sample size, but I, I, I look forward to seeing his progression now that Chip England has had a full season with Lou. Hey, if, um, it's, a, uh, if, it's, a, if it's a go home game, you know, win or go home, he, th- he throws down 34 minutes. moves, killer. <laughs> He's yeah. coming. So it's, it's just a matter of getting those shooters on the court for long enough to space for the other guys, or someone like a Josh Giddy, a Jalen Williams, or a Shea either increasing their volume or increasing their percentage. Yeah, and, that, and that's fair. And, you know, there's, there's always the chance that somebody, like, from the bench spot slides into the starting role as, like, the fifth starter because everybody feels pretty solid about Shea, Giddy, Dub, and Chet, like, being, mm-hmm. you know, starters, like, of the future. Dort, like, you know, he's good. Like, he fits what we're doing right now, but – feels like there's another level we could possibly go to. Um, you know, again, like I'm I'm reserving judgment because, you know, I think that with a smaller shot diet, which we, we see in the preseason, and a more selective shot diet, you know, corner threes, attacking in transition, attacking closeouts, um, you know, stuff like that. Like I, I think that he can thrive with this team. Like I think that he's good as that fifth starter. But, you know, there's there's always possibility a guy like Case Wallace, a guy like Usman Jang, you know, uh, Jack, I don't know if we talked much about him on your podcast, but I am the founder of the Jang game. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Usman Jang is my guy, and I got to see him in the starting lineup eventually. But, yeah, so I there, there's there's potential for some movement. But let, let's go back to those five members of the court. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of talk about this. Obviously, it feels pretty obvious who number one is. And like I said, it feels pretty obvious who number five is. But there's some fluidity between two through four. So I want to ask you, Jack, how do you feel about or how would you rank the five members of our core? Yeah, this is a this is a question. So is this in terms of sort of shot diet or how you prioritize them within the organization going forward? The second one. Yes. Good, good, because shot diet, I have no idea. That is reserved for you guys, <laughs> the experts that watch every day, because I could not tell you that. But for me, I think we probably spoke about this a little bit on, on my pod that you came on, Dylan, when we came to the Joel and B talking about which one of the mm-hmm. three you trade, because up until that point, it was very much a case of you can leave those guys. They they don't have to go. Um, I I would probably say... Um, I think I, I treat Jalen Williams, J-Dub, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, as, as the number two within the franchise because he just fits the archetype of what you're looking for so clearly. And he's married that with genuine production for a team, genuine production that I can see sort of scaling to different teams across the league. Mm-hmm. So I was so impressed with that first season. He's efficient. I think he could have played playoff basketball last year. And if you look at sort of the combination of the intelligence of cutting, the ridiculous frame, the ball handling, just the efficiency of his game, 
Uh, I like that married up with the potential. I think Chet will probably be the second best player. So he's going to be my number three guy just because I absolutely love that dude. I'm really excited to watch him this year. Alien, whatever, I can give you all the sort of top level notes that you're going to hear on ESPN. I, I just love watching him and I think he's got such a unique game. But just because of the injuries and because we haven't seen it on an NBA court as of yet, I think I'd have him at number three. And that's that's no slight to Josh Giddy, just because um, I love Josh. I love the production that he's provided, but I, I'm not sure if it would have translated to sort of playoff basketball in terms of he put up incredible box score stats, particularly for his age last year. I think he was floating around sort of like the 18, six and six mark. I might be wrong. It was like 16. Uh, there you go. I've got, I've got my sixes and eights mixed up. But in terms of efficiency, you know, not necessarily the most efficient driver. We know that he's got to work on the three. So I'm interested to see how that works out. But he is the guy that I think probably falls slightly behind for me in the pecking order. Gotcha. Uh, it makes sense. It's all fair, you know. Uh, some people value, like at this point, some people value Giddy over Dub. Some pe- a lot of people have Chet at two. So, like I said, there's a lot of fluidity between that two, three, four. So, I was interested to see what you thought about that. What about you guys, Alex? You want to go? Yeah. Um. Sure, man. Like I, I think I have, I have uh, Dub and Chet switched. So I have Chet at number two, Dub at mm-hmm. number three, um, and then Giddy, and then of course, um, Dort. But, uh, you know, of course, the door position can change from time to time. You know, we don't have Jerry on the podcast, so he's not going to murder me for saying that. <laughs> uh, but that number five position can, can will probably change in the future. Uh, don't know who it will be. Don't know if it'll be somebody like Casey Wallace. Don't know if it'll be somebody like Usman Jang. Don't know if the guy is not on the roster yet. You know, there's a possibility he may not be on the roster yet. Um, but I do think those four are the core four for this team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm right there with Alex. I, I think I have Chet at two. But, like, you know, I I don't hate the Jalen Williams thing. Like I said on your podcast, you know, whenever I brought up how how much I want to trade for Mikael Bridges, how much I love Mikael Bridges, and I'm like, you know, the pushback that a lot of Thunder fans have is Jalen Williams could become Mikael Bridges. Jalen Williams could become better than Mikael Bridges. So uh, I don't I don't hate uh, that you have him over Chet because I understand it, uh, especially with Chet's injury history. I mean, he doesn't have like injury history, but you know, that one injury, and you know, we haven't like seen him do it in the regular season. Uh, as a Steelers fan, I know now that preseason is not regular season. So, um, you know, what, what, let's see it tomorrow. Let's see, let's see Chet, you know, dominate uh, Boop tomorrow. So, um, and, and with all that said, like to me, Dub, and I've said this before on the podcast, I see Kawhi Leonard slash Scotty Pippen vibes from him. And you're talking about, you know, two of the top probably 25 players and, you know, it's ever played in the league between Kawhi and between um, Scottie Pippen. So I definitely see vibes like that. So it could definitely, you know, he could literally become the second best player and then Chet could be the third, but Chet could be like a, you know, a 12 time all-star. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a bunch of riches for us all of a sudden. Embarrassment of riches. We we deserve this. All right. We we do. We, we do. We haven't had something like this. We've been patient. <laughs> um, I want to get into my favorite player here. So, uh, Shago Alexander. I, I was gonna let I was gonna let you have this question regardless. So. Yeah. So, so my gosh, Shay. Um. So there's a lot of talk. You know, obviously he's 
He's kind of one of the like top ten favorites for MVP. He's he's kind of thrust himself into like consensus top ten player around the league at this point. Um, obviously, he was first team All NBA last year, All Star. Um, you know, thirty points per game. Do you think that Shea hit his ceiling last year as a scorer, or can you see him replicating that this year with a better supporting cast? I think as long as a player like Shea stays healthy and and doesn't encounter injuries, you never truly hit your sort of ceiling as a scorer, particularly at his age. But I think that we've probably seen the last of the great bursts forward from Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like if he has another burst forward, then we're talking about a player that we haven't seen in NBA history. So um, sort of in terms of how he improved last year, uh, I've, I've got a couple of numbers here. I know that the free throw numbers rose from 7.2 attempts per game in 21-22 to 10.9 in 22-23, which is quite frankly astounding. And mm-hmm. the way he draws those fouls isn't sort of influencing the refs. I, I think that he's genuinely just got players on skates. He's one of the most imp- unpredictable players in the league. So I, I see that being repeatable. I don't see a reason why the free throw numbers are going to drop and that ultimately seems to be sort of the mark of an elite scorer in this league and uh, in terms of sort of like incremental improvements in 21-22 Shea hit 27.2% of his step back threes in 22-23 he hit 37.2% of his step back threes so while the volume probably didn't stay the same I know that his three-point attempts dropped from 21-22 to Mm 22-23 it's just about getting equated with your tools. This is a guy that has developed from, I think he was primarily sort of a defensive guy back at Kentucky. You'll know this better than me, Dylan, but like he was renowned for sort of some of that defensive acumen and he's grown and grown and grown into this primary lead scorer role. I remember listening to a few Ringer podcasts literally a year ago where they go, yeah, I can see Shea being a a three on a title team, maybe a two. He said that now you get laughed out the building. So I think we have to remember that Shea as a number one has only been sort of legitimate for a year, if that makes sense. He absolutely proved it out of the park that he can be that. But as he just gets comfortable with his body, as he finds more balance, as he works on developing that skill game, because I think he's just got incredible feel for the game, we'll see slight improvements year on year. But I wonder if the counting stats go down slightly just because a guy like J-Dub is going to tip get more touches um Jalen Williams the center is certainly going to have had less touches than Chet is going to demand this year I just think that the offense could go a little bit more egalitarian this year sort of you know share the points around share the love so maybe the stats drop but I I don't think that the the quality that Shea is going to be putting on the court from night to night is going to drop at all sir I'm going to stop using you know political jargon from the from from the old land, from the from the motherland, you know, egalitarian. That's the first time we've ever heard that word on the podcast. That's the first right there. I'm I'm glad to have made a first on topic thunder. I will stop Appreciate with egalitarian. It. No worries. Yeah, I, I, so I, I, that's where the word ego comes from. <laughs> more, you know, Don't I know it? Learning stuff here. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I do. Got, I I, I want to ask this. So, like. Um, I, I, I want to push back against that because I Go feel like, you know, obviously, like, you know, 
I'm a huge Shea guy. I was a Shea guy, like, you know, back in college. I, I, I've been following him since he was a junior in high school. Um, but going back to when he was Stalker. junior in high school. Okay. <laughs> Anytime Shea has an offseason of work, you know, he oh, literally goes in the lab and, you know, he, he takes leap. Like, it, it's not like, you know, something like marginal. It's like an incremental leap. Like, it's a substantial leap in his game. And I, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, he's probably reached that point where um, there's not much more leap to take. But I would say, you know, coming out of last year, there are a few areas of improvement that, like, you know, I wanted to see out of him that I thought that he can improve. And that was three-point shooting volume and percentage, um, you know, improving his playmaking and, like, on-ball defense. Like, I think he took a leap last year as an off-ball defender. I think he was one of the best off-ball defenders at the guard position in, like, an entire NBA, like, in terms of deflection, jumping passing lanes, steals, uh, help side blocks. I think he led the league in blocks as a guard. Um, And if FIBA is any indication of what we are looking forward to and this NBA season, I would say that he's worked on all of those areas, three-point shooting, defense, and playmaking. And, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I think in our, uh, in our season predictions, I predicted that he was going to actually score more this year. I think I had him at, hang on, what, what did he have last year? 30.5. I think I had yeah. him, at, I think I had him at 31 because if you go back to his first year after Chris Paul left, Shea, mm-hmm. I, I think he averaged like 26 points and it was 50, 40, 80 splits. And he was doing that with Isaiah Roby as his starting center. He still have mm-hmm. Lou Dort. He had the corpse of George Hill on this team, Al Horford for half a year. Like Tail Maladon. It, freaking Tail Maladon, Alexa Pokashevsky. Not, not the good Alexa Pokashevsky from last year. Like the meme Alexa Pokashevsky was on his team that year. Like he was doing this with like, just a comedy of errors around the court. And he was able mm-hmm. to still, you know, dominate the game as the number one scoring option and do so efficiently. And I'm saying, you know, we talk about all the spacing he's had, you know, on the bench, you know, uh, Mark likes to kind of stagger him, let Shea play with bench lineups, like all shooting lineups and like, just let him cook. And, you know, even with the starting lineup, he's never had somebody as good as Chet Holmgren. I think he led the league, um, and that season I'm talking about in points per possession out of the pick and roll with, again, Isaiah Roby as his uh, starting center. Um, so he's never had a guy like Chet Holmgren out there with him. So I I think that with guys, you know, like Chet, like, you know, another season of Dub, Dub seems like he's taking a jump. Josh Giddy, you know, kind of playing more of like a complimentary, like a connector piece, but, you know, still a guy that's going to create for Shea because Shea's talked about how he's going to play off ball because – you know, he's going to be able to find more looks that way. I I just think that there's Michael a possibility. Jordan. Yeah, I just think there's a possibility that Shea is going to have more room to work with than he's ever had before, and he's going to have more ways to do that than ever before, you know, playing on ball, playing off ball, all this space. And, and that, that that's kind of my thing. Hey, Jack. Um I'm going to go ahead and bow out because all he's going to do now is talk about it. SBA. <laughs> so that's all he's going to do. So I'm going to go ahead and bow out. Good meeting you and hope to talk to you soon again. Absolutely. Good meeting you, man. Enjoy Good the rest of the season. Thank you. Thunder up. Yeah, all right. Sorry about that. I got a little passionate. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Let's, let's get into it because I, I'm not, I'm not questioning 
that he's not going to get better from a skill perspective. Mm -hmm. But I am questioning whether we're going to see it on the raw counting stats. So he had 20.3 field goal attempts per game last year. He had 12 free throws. I think he was about eighth in usage. And when you have Jalen Williams progressing so rapidly through the year, when you have Josh Giddy, I think I think Josh Giddy is probably primed to take a little bit more of a leap this year. I think that Shea is basically going to be the ballast for the other guys finding their sort of fringe all-star chops this year. That's how I view it, where maybe Mark looks and he goes, I know what you can do, Shea. Postseason, you are there for us. But in terms of getting us as ready as possible for the playoffs, I need to know that Jalen Williams is comfortable creating for himself off the dribble. I need to know that Josh can knock it down from three and catch and shoot opportunities. I need to see if Chet can truly space from three. I need to see what he can do in the post. I I just wonder if he takes a little bit step back in order for the team to take a step forward, if that makes sense. Hey, and if, if that's the purpose for doing it, I'm all for it. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, you, you kind of have your cake and eat it too a little bit. I think that, you know, Shea's kind of proven that he's the offensive engine of this team. Um, and even with, you know, improved, uh, you know, improved guys around him and guys, you know, taking on more of an on-ball role like Dub. And, you know, he there's not really been a change in Giddy playing on-ball. Like, Giddy's, Giddy's had the ball a, a, pr- a pretty good amount. And, you know, yep. even even Dub had, like, a lot of reps last year. But um, e- even with them, you know, taking a little bit more, I don't know. I could just see I, – I I don't know. I, maybe it's just, like, the optimist in me because I, I am, like, a very optimistic person. Uh, you should look at my predictions for what the Thunder are going to do this year. Um, I, I just – I think Shea's going to, you know, take – I think he's got one more jump in him is what, all I got to say. This was going to be my one hijacky question. Do you have Shea winning MVP this year? I do. Fair enough. If you have Shea winning MVP, then he needs to take the the next leap. Absolutely, I see it. It's just I'm not quite there. Mm-hmm. What what, you, what we'll get into predictions later? Cool. Shea is MVP. I can rock with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I just like I said, I think I think that the he, he's just going to have more room to work than he's ever had, and. Yeah. And it's not just going to be like, oh, I have all this room. I'm just going to take it all. Like he's also going to elevate his team, which, you know, is what value means. Like, you know, making him the most mm-hmm. valuable player. So I think it's going to elevate everybody. So, all right, moving on from Shay, I think we kind of touched on this earlier. But um, just to clarify, uh, for this year, who do you think this team's second best player will be? Yeah, I'm, g- I'm going to stick with Jalen Williams for this one because I've been so impressed with – Honestly, the body transformation, he looks like he's got a lot thicker this year. I think he's going to be primed to take a lot of contact. I can see him getting himself to the line a fair bit more. If he can just pick up a few more of those uh, pick and roll reps, if the shot stays, I think that he's going to be really impactful on both ends of the floor. And you could have a real two, three headed monster in terms of the pick and roll. So I've definitely got Jalen purely because... I think Chet might take 30 games to settle in. You know, he's played preseason. He's looked phenomenal. His numbers have been phenomenal. But when you get into the night to night, the travel, the back to backs, the physical grind, I wonder if he picks up not like physical knocks, but 
that's going to wear you down. That's going to wear sort of rookie conditioning down. So I just think that this year might be Chet really rounding into the player we expect him to be by the end of the year. But I think Jalen is ready to go from the start of the season. Yeah, and that and that's totally fair. Um, you know, talking about his uh, body transformation, he actually posted a picture of like you know his his progress of like his huge shoulders and biceps and everything, and he captioned mm-hmm. it said cue the drug test and. Yeah, uh, come to find out in media day, he actually got drug tested after that picture. So, what do they do for work? These drug testers, honestly, <laughs> I feel like they must just have a massive social media following team, and it's just quick send them out because I, I don't think they do any more research. It doesn't seem like it's um, sort of uh, it's timed or anything. Yeah, it's it's hilarious, man. But you know, I. I'm excited to see what he could do defensively in the preseason. You know, obviously, like, guys like Wimby and guys like Giannis, like, they're going to get theirs. But, like, Dub had that assignment in both games, and he was mm-hmm. making them work, man. Like, he was making them work for everything that they was getting. And, you know, if it's a full game, something like that, you know, your your job isn't to, you know, stop them from scoring. Like, you know, I, I'm, I used the example a couple pods ago how, I remember PJ Tucker in the in the series against the Nets, and he was guarding Kevin Durant. KD just dropped like forty five points, but everybody's talking about how PJ Tucker did this phenomenal job defending him because he made him work. Like he was tiring him out all game, and you know it came down to the end, and you know, he he couldn't close it out because of the work that PJ Tucker did throughout the game. So uh, I I think that if Dub can kind of take that leap defensively in year two. And, you know, you have a guy like Chad, and obviously you have Lou Dort there, and then Shea, you know, is like the off-ball menace. I think our defense could be scary. Yeah, absolutely. Just that presence of the rim protector or that backline rim protection. I don't know. I haven't I've, – I've seen Thunder in preseason, but what's sort of been the defensive pick-and-roll coverage that's been run with? Is Chet playing in a drop? Is he being kept out of actions? What, what are we seeing here? He's, he's kind of been in a drop. Um, I don't know. There, there hasn't been like a a lot of reps on it, and yeah. uh, honestly, it feels like guys are kind of scared to go at him. His block numbers hasn't been like anything crazy, like summer league or anything like that. But uh, you could tell that his presence is being felt. Like you know, he's a real deterrent around the rim. So you know, even even if those numbers ain't up there, you know, as long as as long as the presence remains, you know, we're we're good. Yeah, prevention is better than cure, is uh, what they always say. Yeah. All right, sticking with defense, let's talk about Lou Dort here. So um, I, I just want to ask you, you know, outside looking in, there's like Lou Dort is a much maligned player, even within his own fan base. I just want to ask you defensively, do you think Lou Dort is underrated, overrated, or properly rated? I think he's properly rated. I, I think that the wider NBA community understands what Lou Dort does. I say that, you know, most people on Twitter don't understand what Lou Dort does because a lot of people have not tuned in to watch the Thunder for the last couple of years. But I think amongst people that buy in, people understand what he's able to do at the point of attack, what he's able to do in one-on-one matchups, in isolation defence. But I I don't think he's being uh, treated unfairly. I think the questions with Dort, they they sort of answer themselves on the defensive end of the floor. And I think that if he was, up until this point in his career, a passable three-point shooter, you just wouldn't hear anything about it. It would be, this is an elite 3 and D guy in the league. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you you think that he deserves, like, do you think he's been snubbed from any uh, all-defensive teams over the past couple of years? 
I, I think it's so hard with the fact that it's two all defensive teams. I, I'd have to look at the names, but I mm-hmm. just think it, it depends what you value. So Lou is, I, I kind of look at him maybe more as a playoff defender in terms of the guy that can probably switch one through three. He's got that big body. He's not necessarily going to get bullied and he's going to lock a guy up in isolation and produce those highlight plays. I think in terms of impact, you know, a guy that we spoke about on my pod was like an OG Ananobi, for example, the backline protection, the ability to guard the rim, to, um, you know, sort of switch all the way on to fives from that wing position. Personally, I might value that a little bit more, but I, I think he's he's on the cusp. If there was a third all defensive team, I think Lou would have quite a few appearances by now. Gotcha, gotcha. And that tracks with the answer, Sam. It's properly rated. You know, that was kind of the uh, the cusp of this question is, you know, a lot of people feel – our Thunder fans get mad every year about Lou Dort, like never getting any all-defensive love. So uh, it's just something I've been asking, you know, the guests as they come on. So um, I actually skipped this question, but I do want to go back to it. So mm-hmm. we've got a few first-year guys. Um, you know, obviously, Chet, this is the first year playing. Uh, Misich, who came from overseas, Kaysom Wallace, Keontae Johnson, who we drafted this year. Uh, so I just want to ask, who is or what type of impact do you see the first year guys having on this team? Uh, and, and, you know, we, we talked, yeah, we talked about Chet, you know, the other guys. Chet, transformational. We've said it already defensively, offensively. Can't wait to see it. Misich, I, despite being closer to home, I am not a big Euro basketball fan. As far as I understand it, he's a really savvy pick and roll operator and he's a guy that can shoot in the high 40s off of catch and shoot threes. So if he's someone that can come in to say those uh, bench lineups that you spoke about led by an SGA, led by a Jalen Williams, and just make sure that they've got enough space to work in, that's going to be great. And you know, just one of these players that's built up so many reps, if he can adapt to the pace of the NBA, it's just a solid bench guy that's not going to let you down. I, I doubt that he comes in sort of close in games just because I, I think that you need that fifth player on the Thunder roster to be a defensive guy, which is why I think it's it's probably Ludo. Although I'm contradicting myself a little bit because I kind of want to see Isaiah Joe close quite a few times this year. So Mitchich, it, it depends how quickly he adapts to the NBA. That's a little bit of a cop-out answer. Um, Case and Wallace, really bright sort of in the preseason. I think he looks a little bit ahead of schedule. Again, you are going to know more about me in terms of being a Kentucky fan as well. So I feel like this is great. I feel like the the Thunder revisit Kentucky quite a bit in terms mm-hmm. of sort of NBA draft history. So it's, it's perfect for you, Dylan. But let's just see if, again... I think the highest outcome is potentially he's fighting Lou for that fifth spot. I I think he's probably there for if when Lou is used as matching salary in a big trade. Mm-hmm. So that's what I see. I think he sort of mirrors that skill set. Um, I like him as a decision maker on ball. And I think that Sam Presti's made it really clear that he values guys that can make decisions on ball. I'm keen to see his frame get a little bit stockier so he can, again, be a screener like all of these starting Thunder guys are. So I think his time will probably come probably next year or whenever we see the Thunder push in for uh, a big consolidation trade. And you tell me about Keontae Johnson, man, because uh, I have got no clue. I'm not about to BS you for a few minutes on your pod. Yeah, no, you're good. He's, he's a two-way guy. He'll, 
he'll get you know a couple minutes here and there every now and then you know especially like before the g league season officially starts mm-hmm. we let our g our g league guys get some run um our two ways guys get some run and you know he's he's a stocky wing athlete i think he's listed at six foot six um but you know he's stocky he's strong he's athletic plays good defense um and it, there there was a span between like two games it felt like every time he shot the ball was going in um like he's he's got some juice as a scorer like he's he's absolutely got some juice and obviously his athleticism like speaks for itself um it'll just be interesting to see how he can refine his game in the g league um because you know the thunder famously over the past couple of years and even before that, um, you know, whenever a two-way guy um, outperforms their contract, like they're mm-hmm. not shy to, you know, promote them to the main roster. And, you know, even though he made the main roster, Trey Mann, you know, speaking, he's still a guy that I don't think is long for the team. I think that, you know, you can maybe try to extract some value with that. I think that uh, it would, you know, be mutually beneficial to let a guy like that go to another team where he's going to get more opportunity to play because I feel like, you know, behind Isaiah Joe, Misich, Case, and Wallace, like coming off the bench, I don't think Trey Mann's like, you know, has a long-term role here. Um, So if you move on from him and Keontae Johnson, you know, is doing good and it's time that he gets to play in the NBA and he's just dominating the G League, I can absolutely see them elevating him to the main roster and, you know, from there, if you're on the if you're on the active roster any given night, Mark could call your name. So, can I just say, I think the most interesting two way guy on the Thunder roster is uh, I don't know if it's Olivier or Oliver Saar. Olivier Saar, yeah. But being the brother of the potential number one pick in the 2024 draft, I listened to Kevin O'Connor's interview of Alex Saar a few weeks back, and anytime he was asked a question about the NBA. He spoke about his brother. So I wonder if there is a perfectly within tampering rules recruitment campaign with Alex Saar at the moment. Can we have a four and five combo, both be seven foot tall, both be switchable? I, I really like Alex Saar, but I feel like that's a topic for another day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a connection a lot of fans have made. Um, Saar actually played at Kentucky. Um, he transferred to Kentucky before he uh, went to the draft, or I think he was a senior when he came to Kentucky, and mm-hmm. he had a lot of expectations, and he did not meet those expectations. I actually, like, he like just to be, like, quite frank, he was really soft um, college basketball player. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I had a lot of, like, I had no love lost for Olivier Sar. Uh, whenever he signed with the Thunder, people was excited about it. And they was asking me about because he played at Kentucky. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't like this guy. Like, I don't, I don't think he's got juice. I don't like the signing at all. And to be fair, in the minutes that he's had, you know, I mean, he's he's filling his role. He's protecting his, he's protecting the rim. He's a lob threat, and you know, every now and then he can step outside and knock down a three. Uh, he's not being asked to do a lot, and I think that that was kind of the issue with his time at Kentucky. Is you know, he was this big transfer guy that we brought in, and he was supposed to you know, really just be the anchor for this team. And it was asking him too much. And being that 15th guy or even now like the 16th, 17th, 18th guy on the roster, um, you know, you don't have that pressure. I think he's kind of thrived in that role. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, vice versa, you know, Alex talking about Olivier. Olivier talked about Alex a lot at media day anytime he gets a chance to talk uh, with reporters. So, yeah, yeah. There, there could be a little insider trading there going on. Um, obviously, we, we hope the Thunder pick isn't super high, but we do have uh, a couple other teams' picks. 
Uh, the Rockets mm. is one of them that I am definitely keeping an eye on where that ends up because it's top four protected. And I yep. think that the roster is just good enough. They won't be top four protected. I don't think it's as good as the Rockets fan thinks that it's going to be. So I think we might be looking to have a lottery pick there. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see that. I would be keeping an eye because, again, we spoke consolidation trades. Consolidation trades seem like an annual occurrence for the Thunder at the moment in the draft, mm -hmm. right? So if there's a guy that Sam Presti likes, he can go out and get him. Yep, he can move up in the draft, he can move down the draft, he can move out of the draft, he can kick the can <laughs> down the road. He's, he's got all the flexibility in the world. So, and and he has proven that he will do any of those things. So, um <laughs> All right, man, we got a couple more questions here before we kind of get into predictions, wrap this up. Uh, want to be respectful of you. I know it's really late over there, so we'll, we'll try to rip through this here. So I mm -hmm. um, just want to ask, you know, obviously we're in a little bit of a different stage in our team right now, not so much rebuilding, experimenting, but we still have some project residue on this team. Uh, who's your favorite project player, Mark? I'm not sucking up. Jack, I... God, I'm stupid. <laughs> it's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm not sucking up. I uh, I don't want an invite back on the podcast badly enough to lie in this question, but my favorite project player is easily Usman Jang on this Let's team. Go. Right? Love I it. mean, 6'9", six, 6'10", really lanky dude. Mm -hmm. Real fluidity in the handle. Lightning quick release as well. I, I feel like he's almost getting to that stage where he can shoot the no dip three. I've seen a couple of highlights go around Twitter in the last couple of days where that's been the thing that shocked me. He might be one of the few guys that can beat a Wemby closeout. Um, but I, I just think I think in terms of when you look at what kind of player you want to round out this core four, if we're saying it's Chet, Giddy, Jalen, and SGA. If you can somehow get to having this massive dude with a lightning quick release with some uh, sort of decision making ability, I think he was at three assists per game in the preseason. I know the preseason isn't the biggest sample size in the world, but I'm quite confident in the shot. I'm confident in the frame. I'm confident in the handle. He is one of the guys I would be keeping an eye on as the next potential big breakout wing. But it's just about if he can get the opportunity. I, I don't know if he's going to be playing more minutes with the Thunder in the G League this year because I know that they're not afraid to push guys down to the G League so they can get all the reps in the world. But equally as well, I wouldn't be surprised if he is being called into the rotation as the seventh, eighth man and getting some proper NBA reps. So long term, we spoke about uh, getting Paul George back on the roster uh, over on my pod. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've got Paul George marked too already on the roster yeah and that that's the popular comp a lot of people want to throw around lose my jank and mm -hmm. yeah he was a guy that you know i said i was the captain the founder of the jang gang like he was the guy that i highlighted during like draft coverage and you know i mean i i won't rehash everything that i've told the listeners a million times about why yeah. i like my jang why i thought he was the perfect like presty pick um but you know it's it's kind of come to fruition. A lot of people were like super impatient with him and, you know, his rookie year. And I'm like, dude, he hasn't even played a full half season. He's played 41 games in his NBA season. He got hurt twice. As soon as he started to, you know, catch a groove, he got hurt on the second time. Like be patient with the guy. Like he's, yeah. he's going to be fine. And like, you know, aside from like the shooting and the aggression, 
um, you know, that we're starting to see out of him, you know, in terms of like, you know, just driving to the rim and, you know, not shying away from his physicality. Um, the bones that he had, you know, of just like creating with, uh, you know, for his teammates and being able to defend at a high level. Like he's a great positional defender. He's not a guy that's, you know, going to like bang down, uh, down low in the post or anything like that. But in terms of like keeping a guy in front of you and like, you know, getting able to contest a shot, like he's got him. And like, he's got great defensive instincts, flips his hips. Nice slides, slides his feet. Good. He's got a good strong frame. Um, even though, you know, he is thin, he's got some broad shoulders and like, you know, he's got a strong chest. So uh, yeah, man, like I love ooze. I love ooze. Can I just ask, was Bilal Kulibali your perfect Sam Presti pick for the 2023 draft as well? Uh, I wanted Bilal Kulibali so, so bad. I coined the I coined the phrase uh, Kula Believers uh, on Twitter. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, he was a guy I highlighted when he was still in the second round. And yeah. as he was like creeping in the first round, I was like, dude, if you want him, like, you know, we might as well just take him in the lottery. And then sure enough, he jumps all the way up to freaking, what was it, like pick six or seven? Yeah. And it's like, at like, and, you know, I had I had intel from the you know, other guys that, like, the Thunder were trying to trade up um, mm. you know, to get Bali, and, you know, also trying to trade up to get Jairus Walker. But, obviously, uh, they weren't there. And Casey Wallace was, you know, they was able to trade up and get Casey Wallace. So, it was like, all right, well, like, we, we can't let anybody else, like, on our board fall out there. So, um yeah, Bilal would have been amazing. You know, obviously he didn't go to Kentucky, but, you know, he's just – he's – like, that, that was another hang-up a lot of people have with Bilal. It's like, you know, he's another project, winning the project. We're about to start, you know, winning. I'm like, dude, yeah. Bilal can get on the court today and play NBA defense. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's, he, he's insane. He's just going to get better. Um, so, uh, I wish nothing for the best – nothing but the best for him in Washington, but – I am curious how that situation is going to go, but all right, man. Um, so we have 15 guys that all have a case for getting minutes this year. You know, we kind of talked about, you know, the rotations, how they not going to experiment. Uh, we touched on a lot of guys in the roster, but I just want to ask you, do you have any strong opinions or even questions about any of the guys we haven't got to talk about yet? I, I don't want to say questions because I'm not going to dredge up Poku. I feel like that's fair sort of Sam Vecini territory and, and proper sort of thunder addict territory. He's a guy that I sign on 2K quite a lot, but I, I don't know if his place is on this roster. So we're not going to get into that. But I just want to say having Jay Lynn Williams, Jay Will and having Kenny Hustle on the roster is going to help battle what I spoke about at the top of the pod in terms of almost having too much depth. They're just two guys that you know, if they're out there, they're going to play really hard They've got the IQ to know exactly where to be. They're a little bit switchy. They can space some as well. Um, sort of good plus minus players. So I I just wanted to give a little bit of love to to Kemrich Williams and to Jalen as well. So many Williamses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'd also throw Aaron Wiggins into that category in terms of a guy who just knows how to play basketball. You know, I I, I was tweeting something every time Aaron Wiggins uh, was in the game. It's just Aaron Wiggins make winning plays. Like he just plays winning basketball. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that's all he does. And you know, same with Kendrick Williams, Jalen Williams. Like Jalen Williams stepped up in a huge way last year. You know, playing without a center. I think national television. He put up uh, what was it? I think um, sixteen six and six against the Lakers uh, on LeBron's mm-hmm. big night. And then of course, I think yeah, eight eight and eight mm-hmm. against the Pelicans. 
is that 16 charges taken or was that 16? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he tried to take one on LeBron uh, on his big night. So, you know, kudos, like, I don't think anybody else in the league got stones to do that. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely love those guys. And you also mentioned Isaiah Joe, like, huge Isaiah Joe guy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was fully comfortable going into this year with Isaiah Joe, like, transitioning into our sixth man. Like, not just a shooter. Like, he showed so much more last year. Like, he showed, like, legitimate stuff like off the bounce like everybody kind of gets enamored with the three-point shot and the three-point shot's great but like what they don't understand is he was going to done the mid-range he was getting to the rim a couple times he he tried to put dudes on a poster a couple times like i didn't know (laughs) Isaiah Joe had that in his game yeah it's the confidence of being in a place that sort of trusts you and I, i was really impressed with isaiah just the pure transformation and such a shame that he wasn't at three point contest right i think at that point probably had the holidays booked but one of the biggest injustices of the Thunder's year last last year, right? Yep. Yeah. At that point, I think he was second in the league in three point percentage uh, going into the All Star break, and yeah, just just an absolute, absolute, just terrible. Um, right. All right, man. Let's see here. A couple more questions here. So, what award races slash All Star events? Kind of talking about All Star weekend. Uh, could you see the Thunder having a hand in this year? Okay, Shea is going to be there for MVP. Chet is going to be there for Rookie of the Year. Let's go. Jalen is going to be there for Most Improved. Mm. And um, in terms of All-Stars, see, this is the thing. If I feel like you can't have your cake and eat it. So if SGA is going to be MVP, how are the other guys getting the numbers to be the second all-star on the team? I feel like unless Chet is putting up three and a half blocks a game and you guys are sort of like a two seed and it's his impact that's so clear because the defence like jumps up another level, I feel like it's going to be hard to get two all-stars in play. You're going to be the fringe all-star team. You're going to have guys that sort of are around the conversation. And I, I wish that we got more chance to speak about Josh Giddy because I just think that if his game comes along a little bit more, he is a guy that, because a lot of this does just come down to the counting stats, right? You know, at the end of the day, that's what voters look at. That's what makes noise. It's it's counting stats and highlight plays. If he can just improve that three-point percentage a little bit more, if he keeps hitting the boards and he keeps those assist numbers up, suddenly you're looking at a guy that's 28 and 8 and he's getting himself to the line five or six times because I feel like that was a development during the FIBA World Cup as mm-hmm. well. We saw him embrace contact a fair bit more. That's a massive part of Josh Giddy's game. So he actually might be the guy that I think could get closest to an all-star selection. It's, it's between him and Chet just because, like we said, the numbers are already at such a good baseline. Yes, the I a lot of people want to say that Jalen Williams is going to be uh, the second All Star this year. He's going to score twenty points per game. He's going to be the MIP. I I'm in the camp that we don't have two All Stars. You know, just you know, for the reason that you said. Like, I I, I think that it's like a year too early on. You know, those yeah. guys. Uh, Shea had to like pay his dues and more. Like, even when he deserved to be an All Star, they still yeah. gave it to Mike Conley. Um, not bitter about it at all. <laughs> um, but you know, like you know, they 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 still got a little bit to go on that. But like, I think that Josh Giddy um, has as much of a shot as anybody at most improved player this year, if he does all those things that you were talking about. Because um, I think that his assists 
can jump up for all the reasons I said about, you know, Shea continuing his scoring for like all the space he has. I think Josh Giddy's assist can jump up because Shea's playing off ball more. We have better pieces around Josh Giddy. And, you know, if he's drawing fouls like he was in FIBA, you know, you talked about at media day how he was bailing teams out by taking all these floaters. And even though it's a efficient shot, he wants to make them, you know, kind of make the choice, uh, you know, to foul them, like, you know, to put the pressure on them and, you know, put them on the line. So, mm-hmm. you know, the next battle is if you get to the line, Josh, you got to knock down the free throw. And, uh, you know, I, I have confidence in him being able to do that. But, um, yeah, I, I have Josh as like uh, – I think I picked Kate Cunningham as my MIP, but I had Josh mm-hmm. as like a dark horse. So uh, I'm, I'm right there with you on that. Um, yeah. All-star events besides all-star, besides the all-star game, do you have anybody else from the Thunder participating in anything else? Oh my God. All-star events. So what if we got dunk contest? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say no three point contest. Isaiah Joe, maybe a lock in, right? The injustice mm-hmm. from last year, he could get back. Um, so what have we got? Dunks, threes, rising stars. I'm not going to talk about the rising stars game. I don't think. I don't know if we're at, we're at that point. But what else? Am I, am I missing any big events at All Star Weekend? I think that they used to have the uh, skills challenge. I, no, I guess they do still have the skills challenge. But they they're they always do a random weird like conglomeration of teams with that. So that's hard to predict. Mm. What you want to see is the one-on-one tournament, right? I feel like Shea has got as good a chance as any at a one-on-one tournament in the NBA. That would yeah, be like a, the, the court pinnacle. type thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I was, I also thought it'd be cool to do like an alumni three-on-three kind of thing. Um, you know, Kentucky might have to have like five teams, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kentucky Duke always it's sort of like the lakers celtics of the 80s that that becomes the thing what i want to see for all-star weekend is i want to see um more teams picked but smaller rosters and i want to see smaller get this is a topic for another podcast again Mm -hmm. i i just i'm going to get onto it but i want to see like eight man rosters that play more minutes and they sort of play king of the hill and you've got four captains so let's say you've got like Giannis. Jokic, Embiid, LeBron, or Steph and LeBron. They pick their eight-man roster, and we get a little bit more competition in terms of trying to be king of the hill. I, I want that a little bit more, almost like pickup. Yeah, that, that's kind of what they're doing with the Rising, uh, Rising Stars Challenge, uh, mm-hmm. I think. But they, you know, they're letting, like, you know, former players and other representatives draft the team it would be a lot more fun to see them, the, the players, uh, you know, draft those teams. So, yeah, mm. that, that, I mean, I'd be all for that, man. I I personally don't hate the All-Star game. Like, I grew up loving watching the All-Star game, All-Star week, and all the festivities. So, like, I'm not one with the fatigue that a lot of people were. I think the dunk contest last year was the best one we've had in, like, the last decade. It's really um, good. Yeah, and, like, obviously, the three-point shootout has become, like, the main event of All-Star Saturday night. So, I think there's some tweaks that you can make, but I I still enjoy the product. Um, let's see here. So, last question I have before we get into rapid-fire predictions. Uh, what is the most favorable, least favorable, and your most exciting matchup for OKC this year? This is easily my favorite question you asked. I had to think about this for a really long time. So, I'm going to say – most favorable uh, i'm going to try and keep it in conference because we're going to see it a few times but i like the thunders match up against the phoenix suns quite mm-hmm. a bit actually i just think in terms of 
Chet being able to space out to three, you're pulling Yusuf Nurkic, who is not the best paint protector already, out onto the paint. You've got six, six guys with long arms that can switch onto your KDs, to your bookers, to your bill, so you can be quite switch happy. You can be destructive at the point of attack. And I just think the style of the offense that they're going to run, just get Yusuf Nurkic involved as many times as possible and good things will happen. That drive, kick, drive, kick, drive, kick. I don't think the Suns have a guy that can match up to Shea one-on-one. I don't think many teams do, but I think it's really apparent there unless you're a real big Josh Okogi stan. Um, and I just think that they've got the size to bother what's quite a small Phoenix team. So that would be my most favourable matchup. If that was the matchup in the first round of the playoffs, dark horses, definitely. Um, least favourable. What, what do you think of that, actually? What do you think of the Suns matchup? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you, man. I mean, I think that defensively the Suns have a lot to kind of make up for. Um, I think their depth is interesting, I would say. Um, and obviously, you know, in terms of scoring, guys like – I mean, having guys like Brad Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Ray on the same team, like, you know, the scoring is going to come. Like, you know, I'm not worried about that with them. But I'm actually one of the guys that I don't remember where I had the Suns. I, I think I had them at, like, the – four maybe five c which is like really low compared to like what the rest of the league has been ranking them mm-hmm. um you know for all the reasons i said but also like as we're seeing right now like brad bill Devin booker kevin durant are three guys who don't have the cleanest bill of health and yeah. you know, counting on them to play you know 75 percent of the season and you know them to like absolutely dominate the regular season like i, I just don't see it um so yeah i'm I, I'm kind of with you there. I'm like, you know, the Suns and, you know, obviously like, uh, you know, everybody wants to point out Chet having to guard these, you know, huge bigs and Nurk is like, you know, a bigger guy, but yeah, they don't talk about the that. flip side. They don't talk about the yeah. flip side of Nurk having to try to guard Chet. So. Yeah, absolutely. So then like least favorable matchups for me, again, sticking to, the Western Conference. I, I don't really like the matchup with the Pelicans. I just think they've got a lot of things that the Thunder might struggle to deal with because, like we said, we saw Jonas feast on the boards. And I, I think that um, I didn't think we get stuck talking about Eastern European bigs, but here we are, Nurkic and Jonas Valanciunas. But um, I, I just think that he's a guy that caused a little bit more trouble for Chet in terms of being able to apply that physicality. Um, and then I... I love Zion. I really, really love Zion. And I just think that there's sort of that overwhelming rim pressure. Um, Him meeting Chet at the rim is sort of like an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. So I think that that would be really fun to see. Yes, yes. So that's, that's exactly what I think of. So if they're healthy, I think that the fact that you've got a lot of that inside scoring pressure with Zion, with Jonas... Um, a guy that can kind of go toe-to-toe, maybe not to the same level, with Shea in a one-on-one game in Brandon Ingram. And then you've got these big, hulking, switchy wings in Trey Murphy, a guy that can space from to 30 feet, and Herb Jones, who you could probably stick on SGA and just say, can we get the rest of the team to beat us? I, I don't like that as a matchup. I just think that they've got a lot of scoring talent. But obviously with them, it's a matter of staying healthy as well. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely see that. And the uh, most exciting matchup, uh, this has yeah. been a clean sweep so far. I, I think it's going to be, again, who, who do you have for most exciting matchup? 
Uh, I think this might be a little bit rogue. I've got the Warriors. I, okay. I want to see these two teams play. I think it's been a decade since the Warriors probably emerged. I think you could argue that the Thunder are the team that are emerging uh, in the Western Conference, sort of set to have a reign of real like comp- uh, competitiveness right at the top level. I don't want to say dominance just because Nikola Jokic exists. Um, but I, I love the idea of just the Warriors are so small this year but they know the stuff that they run. I like the idea of Chris Paul coming back to OKC, getting a little bit of a hero's welcome. Uh, SGA potentially guarding Steph could be really fun. And and I like the fact that you're going to have a player that the Warriors can't necessarily exploit as much as other teams. So Chet at the five, I think, works really nicely against Golden State because Draymond's not going to punch him in the post. They're not going to be throwing the ball down into a Kevon Looney. And I like him as a guy that can actually go out to the perimeter and, and handle himself a little bit. Maybe not against Steph Curry. No one can. But I, I think that that's a really exciting battle in terms of young versus old, big versus small. And both teams match up quite nicely with each other. All right. That, hey, that's, yours. that's a good answer. I like that. Uh, every, I mean, dude, everybody just keeps saying the Spurs. I mean, obviously. No. Yeah, Wimby and Chet, you know, the rivalry that the NBA has uh, set forth. And also Devin Vassell. Like, I love Devin Vassell. Uh, Kelton Johnson, you know, another UK guy. Uh, I, I think they've got some, you know, fun defensive pieces that they can kind of throw mm-hmm. at the Thunder's best players. Um, and of course, you know, Greg Popovich is just like, you know, a mastermind. Uh, so I, I think that that is a fun matchup, but in terms of like, I think like in terms of like most exciting matchup in the league, um, I, I'll tell you what, like I've, I've said this on the podcast a few times. Mm-hmm. I think the Thunder Timberwolves is going to be the next great rivalry in the NBA. And oh. It kind of started last year, you know, obviously with, you know, them beating us in the play-in. There's a lot of discourse over the offseason of Anthony Edwards being better than Shea Gilgis-Alexander on Twitter. Um, And, you know, obviously the, uh, you know, Chet's from Minnesota. Um, We've kind of had bad blood, you know, even before, like, the play-in. And, you know, we're both, like, teams that think that, you know, that, like, you know, Thunder fans think that the Thunder is up and coming. Timberwolves think that the Timberwolves are up and coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like today, I, I posted something like, you know, the Thunder are going to be blank seed. And pretty much every Timberwolves that came in there and they, like, listed their teams, they had the Timberwolves in, like, a top six and the Thunder in, like, the seven to ten range. And it's like, I don't think there's that much of a difference there. But, you know, we, we can talk about it later. But, yeah, I, I think that that's going to be – I think that's going to be like the next great rivalry. I think that, you know, Shea, Anthony Edwards are just going to kind of duke it out over the next, like, at least like, you know, I, I want to say five years, but I guess they could trade cat this year and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. It'll be really interesting when Anthony, Anthony, God, like I said, English, uh, when Anthony Edwards arrives in Miami or LA and he's playing with a new roster and he's not actually on Minnesota as the NBA seems to want to happen. I can't believe that that came out last year. You've you've got to have some sort of um, sympathy, empathy for a small market team and everyone saying, oh, that star's got to move on. They've got to move on. It's it's one of the worst things that happens in the NBA. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they did it with us with Shea. I'm like, those, everybody's trying to ship Shea back to Toronto for like yeah. two two to three years. And all Shea has done is talk about how happy he is in Oklahoma City, how transparent he is with Sam Presti, how much he believes in this process. And mm-hmm. I think I think they finally calmed down. You know, they, they like I, I saw around FIBA time whenever he's playing for Team Canada, it was more like, gosh, I wish Shea would play you know, for Toronto instead yeah. of I can't wait for when Shea plays for Toronto. So I, I think we've transitioned a little bit. Uh, we had Esfandiar Barhani on here. He's you know, a huge Raptors guy. And yeah. he, he he made the statement. He was like, the, you know, Shea is not going back to the Raptors. And, you know, we, we gave him a nice round of applause for that. So uh, okay, I, think we, I think we put that to bed. Um, all right, man. Let's get into rapid fire predictions and this will close out the podcast. We already kind of talked about a couple of these, so that'll make it even more rapid fire. So this is over under. um, And then at the end, you know, we've got some actually like number predictions, but uh, Mm -hmm. over under start off one and a half all stars. Under. Okay. Over under one and a half 20 point scores. Over, hedging my bets, one of Giddy or Jalen. Okay. I like it. Uh, over, under, one and a half, all rookie team members. Under, I don't think Kaysen gets the minutes for second team or rookie just because you guys are pretty stacked. Okay, no Kaysen, no Misic. I got you. Uh, we'll see. Surely uh, Misic doesn't qualify for that. Yeah, I, I think technically he does, man. Oh my god, I, I feel like that would be that would just feel gross to me. I, I wish him all the luck in the world, but that would be so weird. Donovan Mitchell brings back the definition of the rookie hoodie that he <laughs> yeah. had in the in the battle with Ben Simmons. Um, <laughs> all right, last over under over under one and a half all defensive team members. Um. Un- under okay just sorry working through it in my head um who would you have would you have sga and dort uh, i think chet's kind of the thinking chet and dort would be the thinking you don't think that defensively um have they gone positionless with the all defensive teams this year, like they have with the all NBA teams? Do you know? You know, I don't know off the top of my head, man. So it's just it's Jaron, it's Evan Mobley, it's Bam Adebayo for Chet, and for him to do that in the rookie year, I, I, I'm still going to go under. I'm really high on the Thunder, but just un- under for me. Hey. Absolutely fair, man. Just asking the questions. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. all good. Uh, let's see here. What is the Thunder's floor and ceiling this year in terms of their record and their seeding? Nice good question. Floor is probably um, home team in the play-in, so like seven, eight seeds. Uh, like mm-hmm. we said, I just think that they've got far too much depth to fall out of that unless you get an SGA injury, but I feel like he's in his physical prime. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. And ceiling, I would say if that depth really comes in clutch and you see the leaps from the guys that we sort of expect to take leaps, I'll go Bill Simmons. I'll go 
50 wins. I'll go three seeds, sort of Sacramento Kings style. But I don't think that Trey Mann will be closing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love that. Love the shot. Uh, all right, man. What is your official prediction for the record in seeding? You talked floor and ceiling. Is it in the middle? Or are you going with the floor or ceiling? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm going middle. I'm going 45 to 46 wins. I'm going six seeds. I, I don't know where that would have all the other teams. But like we said, I think that if if this team had less players that they wanted to give minutes, I think I would maybe be a little bit higher on them. But the fact that they have such a wealth of talent and the rotation isn't going to be set on a night-to-night basis. Like, you know, you see a team like the New York Knicks in the Eastern Conference last year, they went to a nine-man rotation before anyone else. They had it set and they started flying from there. I think those are the kind of teams that really benefit in the regular season. I just think with the fact that the Thunder are still going to be giving guys chances, that leads to slightly less synergy on the court. So um, I'm going to go 5-6 seed, 45-46 to wins. That is fair, man. Uh, Last question, and this is something that I've asked all of our guests. So Mm -hmm. if I were to ask you for a bold prediction or a hot take for the Thunder this season, what would it be? Uh, you win a playoff series. Okay. I like uh, it. I, th- I think I'd go for that. I think we've spoken about sort of the matchup versatility. The Thunder look like the future of the NBA to me. And with the fact that they've got a first team all NBA player that can go one on one against anyone, I think that they're going to cause real headaches for some of the more traditional teams at the top of the Western Conference. I don't think they get past Denver, but anyone else like i said i I feel like the pelicans could be a little bit of a sticking point i feel like they give any other team in the western conference a really good game uh so yeah my hot take is they win a playoff series this year okay i like it in the right direction so um yeah that was awesome man that was that concludes our thunder season preview i do want to ask you one, one more question we do we do play chicago bulls tomorrow night what's your prediction for that game uh, I, I like Chicago a little bit more than other people this year. Uh, is is it at Oklahoma or are you going away at to Chicago? Chicago? At Chicago. Um, yeah, why not? I, I feel like everyone's so high on the Thunder that let's um, – yeah, I, I see a Thunder win to get us started. I, I think that Chet's going to carry through that preseason form. I think Vooch is quite a nice matchup for him on the inside. All right. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to talk about it. And uh, Jack, can't wait to have you back on, man. You were awesome. Uh, I want to go ahead and give you the opportunity to plug all your stuff, your podcast, your Twitter, where folks can find you, where they can follow your work. Thank you, man. So I've really enjoyed coming on. Thank you for having me on. It's great to have just an opportunity, like I said at the top of the podcast, just to really nerd out for an hour and a half. I feel like one day we'll do a podcast that's less than an hour and 20 minutes, but I'm, I'm happy that we've spoken for this long on both of them so far. Uh, you can find, yeah, exactly. exactly. You can find my stuff um, at the Dropstep MBA on Twitter. Hopefully that will be somewhere in the description. And the podcast is called The Dropstep. We're up to 16 episodes now. We're going to be pumping it up during the season uh maybe a little pivots covering rebuilding teams which i think could be a lot of fun you guys listening to this have experience of a rebuild i think you're out on the other side now but if you've got addicted to that sam presti mindset the drop step could be a place for you
There you go, man. And, you know, I, I just got to say, um, Jack, you know, I've, I get asked to come on a lot of podcasts all the time, and I'm never going to say no to somebody that asked me to come on their podcast just because, like, I used to get so frustrated when people would, you know, mm-hmm. say no or ghost me um, in the other side. So I always said, like, anytime somebody asks me, like, as long as, you know, I'm fully capable, I'm going to come on the podcast. But not all of them are as prepared as you, as organized as you, and have as much knowledge and, you know, just like quick as a whip as you. So, um, you know, I, you know, I, I said you know, at the top of the pod, you know, you're new to the scene and you're blown up the scene. Um, and I mean, it, man, like, you know, I think that, you know, you're you're one of the up and coming minds in the NBA. So, uh, you know, glad we got it on the ground floor and I uh, can't wait to see you continue to grow in this thing. This is the start of a very beautiful friendship, Dylan. I think I said that on the first one, but long may it continue. Thank you so much, man. Yes, sir, man. Well, hey, uh, Jack, we close that every podcast uh, with a, uh, uh, what, I almost said ceremonial, with a, uh, no, not unanimous either. Um, <laughs> we say thunder up together at the same time. So would you like okay. to join that? Absolutely. I want to be okay. inducted here. I love it. All right, man. Well, hey, I I thank everybody for listening. You know, I think that we're actually going to come back on tomorrow. Uh, if the Thunder win, we're going to come back on tomorrow and you know, just geek <laughs> out and overreact and get hype about the win um but until then i hope everybody has a great night god bless hoop when you can and as always thunder up thunder up there we go thank you for listening to the topic thunder podcast our podcast is available to subscribe on apple spotify stitcher and google play or anywhere else you listen to your podcast be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review and follow us on twitter at okc topic thunder thunder up Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.